Maximize muscle growth. Build strength. Burn fat. Change the way you train utilizing metabolic training, providing you the only workout program you will ever need. Stop spinning your wheels at the gym, change your life, and never be bored with your workout routine again. Welcome to the Metabolic Experience Podcast, brought to you by your hosts, Lindsay Abel and Matt Phelps. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 10 of the Metabolic Experience Podcast. Can't believe it has been 10 episodes. I remember our first one, Matt. Yeah, we're, we're seasoned pros now. Yeah. We're doing this forever. I feel like we're kind of a big deal. Yeah. So I'm going to try to gain some extra points with my husband on this one. But Matt, I'm just really curious on what you think your predictions are for playoff games. Is it going to be New Orleans or Philadelphia? Or are you taking Kansas City or New England? So you did really well, except that New Orleans and Philadelphia already played. Damn and it's it. New Orleans and Los Angeles. But I, I'm impressed. You were I three really, for four. No, I really my su- wanted to get my, that. <laughs> you did good. My, su- my Super Bowl prediction, so I think it's going to be two of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, Drew Brees and Tom Brady going at it, with the Patriots winning a close game. That's my prediction. Are you okay with the Patriots winning? Because just Brian, he didn't watch the Super Bowl last year because he was so mad that the Jeff, Patriots Jeff- Fan, right? He's a Jets fan, yeah. and he's a, the biggest non-Tom Brady fan in the world. So, yeah, he was. If they're in it, I don't know if he'll watch the game again. Yeah. So you're okay with the Patriots I'm, I'm okay with them winning. I respect the GOAT, yeah. Tom Brady. He's a pretty, pretty solid player, great career, right. so totally respect him, and uh, I'm okay with that. But if I was Brian and I was a Jets fan, I would not be okay with it. I promise you that. <laughs> Cool. Well, what we've got today stored is a good uh, good little uh, episode for you guys. We're going to be talking about five ways to make metabolic training more difficult, if you need five more ways, but we're going to give them to you. I think most of you are pretty scared right now, but keep listening. <laughs> Um, So the reason why I wanted to make this episode is because uh, there's more to just working out, right, than just like picking up weights and putting them down like that Planet Fitness commercial says. Um, But, you know, I know when you and I work out, we've talked about this, that we use different markers other than just what load we used or whatever to get a really great workout. So um, we wanted to talk about this with you guys and the listeners today just to start putting into your own practice um, so that you can increase the intensity of your workouts and get better results overall. Yeah, and I think also just enhancing the value of what you yeah. what you get out of each individual workout, and there's so much more to it, like you alluded to, than just the weight that you lifted. And I think the reason that metabolic and metabolic training is different than some other philosophies out there is we aren't as concerned with what you're doing. We're more concerned with how you're doing what you're doing. And I think that's a very important distinction to make that gets lost a lot with a lot of people, especially people that are newer to working out or haven't done it much before. They experience those newbie gains and they get stronger and stronger and stronger. And they think that's a linear process that's going to go on forever. And, you know, this, the reality is we all have genetic limitations, um, <laughs> yes. you know, and, and we all have different 
strengths and weaknesses and and there's other ways to enhance our workout quality and the results we get from our workout than just simply grabbing a heavier weight every single time you're in the gym so we thought it'd be a cool exercise for our clients at metabolic who do metabolic training but honestly a lot of these things could could go for anyone working out who wants to get the most out of their workout yeah and it's funny you brought something up about like especially newer um people coming into weight training um just wanting to go heavier and heavier and heavier but also for people that have been doing it for a while that might feel like they've plateaued. Um, But I was recently uh, reading an article actually that was talking about, um, you know, the whole like body image movement, whatever, um, that it's a really positive thing, but we've moved away from, you know, how you look as being a marker of success and going into like what you can lift and what you can do, which is all very positive, but it also can become kind of detrimental if you're putting all of your value into like how heavy you can lift in the gym because like you said we all have genetic limitations so there's gonna come a point where you might not be able to like i'm never gonna be able to lift the hundred pound dumbbells like i just can't do it i'm four feet tall you know so like if i put all of my value into just solely how much weight i can lift and then all of a sudden i'm starting to plateau a little bit and i start feeling bad about myself i feel like a failure that's not what weight training and working out is about it's supposed to be movement makes you healthy and it makes you feel good so if you know you can kind of just take the weight number and and what you're doing out of it and find other ways to measure your success in the gym and other ways to challenge yourself in the gym other than weight your experience in weightlifting is going to be so much more you're just going to enjoy it more and you'll probably be able to do it a lot longer because it's not just about load you're finding other ways to challenge yourself in a safe way yeah i think that's very well said and i i completely agree and a funny story i'll share with the audience is i used to there was a time man when was this this is probably five years ago six years ago almost i did six months of brazilian jiu-jitsu which is a form of grappling and i actually really liked it it was really cool it was a lot of fun i learned a lot however one of the biggest things that i learned is at the time i had a pretty good squat a pretty good bench press i thought i was i thought i was a badass in other (laughs) words and when i went to this place I got my ass kicked by guys that probably benched half of what I did. And that's when I learned that just because you lift a lot of weight in the gym, it doesn't make you like a badass. (laughs) (laughs) And and I think it's kind of funny because a lot of the trainers we employ at Metabolic are former high-level athletes. I'm talking like Division I athletes, professional athletes. So they've seen some really freakishly – impressive stuff out there from like the most elite percentage of the human race and you know for for them it's funny to watch them work out because they work out hard but i think they also have that perspective that you know there's some real freaks out there and that there's always going to be someone out there stronger than you and you've got to get the most out of it that you can get out of it and i think they they understand that but i also think a lot of them know that you know the the weight you press or the weight you goblet squat doesn't mean you're more or less of a man or more or less of a badass or you know you're not a strong woman it doesn't mean that at all um and what we want to do is we wanted to center this conversation around ways to maximize your workout so that you can 
then become a fitness badass. That's right. So um, even though we did talk about how weight doesn't really matter, isn't the end-all be-all, I do think one way to make, uh, the first way to make metal block training more difficult is to use the appropriate load, right? So something that's, you know, you don't want to go too light and you don't want to go too heavy, but finding that sweet spot right in the middle. Yeah, I think I think a good way to, to assess this is um, if you're petrified to use a weight or you're really, really scared, it's probably a little heavy yeah. and you probably shouldn't use it. Or if deep down inside, you know, and I know all of you out there know what I'm talking about, you know when you're not going to use a full range of motion because yeah. the weight's too heavy. Um, you know, on a floor press, you're not going to touch your elbow to the ground. On a squat, you're not going to go all the way down because you right. can't get back up. Um it's too much and right. you're not going to get as much out of that. Conversely, you know, if you can have a full conversation and <laughs> for a whole set, uh, you know, you might consider ramping that up a yeah, little if bit. If you can sing the song that's playing in the background. <laughs> Which happens. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you got you to gotta challenge yourself. So we'll talk about this more, but I think the, the biggest thing with all this is that training is an art. It's, yeah. it's really an art more than a science. Um, and it takes time and experience to, to really understand that. And there's a lot of seemingly contradictive things that are out there. Mm-hmm. Lift light, lift heavy, progressive overload. Yeah. Don't push to failure, push to failure. There's a lot of things back and forth. And, you know, for me, all of these things are tools and we need to be artists and use each tool in an appropriate fashion. So I think in terms of, you know, making a metabolic training more difficult, the first thing you can do is, you know, pick a weight that's appropriate for you during that session. Yeah. And I think the nice thing about, you know, at least our clients that go to metabolic is we choose the weights for you. So trusting your trainer and, you know, if, they give you a weight, understand that like there's a reason why they chose that for you. And, you know, let's say you're typically using the, uh, I don't know, red kettlebell and your trainer has you go green one day, you know, don't take that as an ego hit. Understand that there's probably a reason and most likely the programming is designed that you need a lighter load. But at the same token, if in the last round your trainer asks you to bump up to a silver kettlebell, um, they usually, it's because they believe in you and they believe that you can do it. So, um, yeah, so to go with that. Yeah, and and don't (laughs) marry yourself to certain, you brought up an excellent point, Lindsay. Don't marry yourself to certain weights and certain workouts in terms of I always do the 50s. Right. I always use the blue kettlebell because it totally depends on the the template and the order of exercises. And I think a lot of clients out there would be very um, surprised to know that you and I spend a lot of time sequencing the exercises in a certain way. And because we do the workouts as well, we know exactly what this, this particular metabolic training workout is going to elicit and what they're going to feel. And if they're going to be too fatigued in their shoulders or if their core is going to give out or any of that, you know, that's all a part of it. So if you can just understand and have perspective that the load you used for a certain movement pattern, say a squat, that will vary greatly. If you do a Tabata style thing where you're going 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, eight rounds, and you do that, you're going to use a weight and a goblet squat that is far lighter than if you do what we call a gauntlet workout where it's 45 seconds on, 15 seconds off, but you're rotating through six exercises. So you essentially have four or five minutes of rest quote unquote rest right. before you do that same muscle group again, as opposed to 10 seconds. So having that perspective and the maturity to understand how to load yourself or how to 
acknowledge and understand the load a trainer gives you is right. a critical part to making your experience as challenging as possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, so this next uh, point will kind of add on to the load, but um, hitting a certain rep count uh, within your programming. Um, I think this is something that we've been utilizing more with our training um, in metabolic, and we've actually been um, being a little bit more vocal about it in our classes, and it makes such a difference when you know you are in a 30 second set if you are being held to a six to eight rep count like we were today um and you hit that every single time with your it is a world of difference as compared to if you grab a weight that's maybe too heavy and do three reps or a weight that's too light even but i think hitting a rep count can change the game. Yeah, and that's where I think time under tension, the concept of time under tension is great. But in, and I'm more talking about not body weight movements, but Mm -hmm. loaded movements that have a heavy eccentric component to them. It's a concept that could potentially be abused, and we have seen it be abused by our clients at the gym at times. And you know, it's nobody; it's not their fault. They're right. just trying to, to literally survive. But you know, if for example, say you're let's pick an exercise. All of our listeners understand the bench press. Say you're doing the bench press for 45 seconds, and you grab a weight that's too heavy. You're probably going to go down halfway, really slow. Mm-hmm struggle to press it back up, rest at the top for 10 seconds, maybe get another two or three reps. You maybe get four kind of half-assed reps in there as opposed to if you lowered the weight and used a two-second, three-second, normal type of eccentric, explosive on the way up, kept constant tension on the muscle. You know, in that time, you might get 12 to 15 reps in that time. And which one do you think is going to be safer for you and better for you and more effective for you to build muscle and get stronger over time? I hope the answer is obvious to everybody out there but we see that a lot and that's why the application of the appropriate rep range is awesome because if you combine if you marry rep ranges with time under tension you are now controlling the cadence of each rep Mm -hmm. the quality of each rep and you're letting that serve as your guide to what weight you should use if you can't hit that minimum standard of reps it's too heavy if you could do 30 more it's too light Totally. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, um, like you said, it goes into the, the safety of the movement, everything like that. But it definitely picks up uh, the intensity quite a bit when you hit that certain rep range and hold yourself accountable to those reps. And that's another one where like, you know, if you are hitting six to eight, and like you said, you hit the eight rep range of time, bump it up. Can you get at least six? Then you're good. And that's going to increase the intensity as well, because now you're also getting the weight component added into it. So I think um, if you're not, I know a lot of people say they don't like to count reps or some people say they don't like to count reps um but if you're just surviving bell to bell and not focusing on your tempo at all um i think you could really benefit from like you said with the strength movements at least kind of getting a good cadence going. yeah and i i, I think I, I have a small bone to pick with the people that say they don't like to count their reps because for me that's kind of like the people that say they don't like to record a food log you know yeah. it's, it takes minimal effort to greatly enhance the results you get so why wouldn't you do it and i think we know that people don't love counting things so we only are asking that people do it on heavy loaded movements you know we're a little more laid back about it on a push-up or a trx exercise you know we're talking things where when the risk is greater the quality of rep needs to go with it. And that's where the rep range is a beautiful thing. It helps me survive. Like I, I know like if I'm given a target to hit, 
it helps me to get through the round. If I don't have, I don't know. I read a study once that you can't like look at a sign without reading it. Like if you see words, your brain just automatically starts reading. That's how I feel like when I start to squat, my mind just starts counting. Like I don't think about it so much, but like, I don't understand. Like not, I can't imagine doing squats and not having some count in my head. It helps me to survive. Yeah. And I think the thing with uh, hitting the rep count thing is, is that, you know, it's okay if you start a couple seconds late and I'm going to contradict myself here with one of our other points, but (laughs) it's okay if you start a couple seconds late or end a couple seconds early, if you're in the ballpark of the time frame you're supposed to be with that rep count, because I've done it both ways. I've gone quote unquote bell to bell for 30 seconds and you know, I haven't really worked as hard as I maybe could have because I was trying to sur- quote unquote survive. survive. And so I was resting between reps or whatever else, you know, and, and then I've tried to get eight quality reps and I've thrown down the kettlebell with two, three seconds left. And for me, I, I think that's the point of all of this is to marry the rep range with yeah. the time under tension. So, you know, it's, it's okay to do that as long as you're not finishing like 20 seconds before you're supposed to. <laughs> right. Um, cool. So adding on to that, the next point we're going to make number three, um, is going to be making the mind muscle connections. So I think this is huge. And I think this is something that can like advance everybody's training. Um, and it's something you don't have to think it's not, it doesn't take much effort, but you know, um, I've seen a million times people doing like, say for instance, like a lying band leg curl and they're just, you know, bopping their feet up and down, um, for like hamstring leg curl. Um, and you know, they're like, I don't feel it. That's one of those scenarios where like, if you think about the muscle that you're training, so don't just move your feet up and down and beat the exercise. If you actually think about training and targeting your hamstrings, pushing your hips into the floor, driving your heels into your glutes and squeezing the hamstring, you will feel that movement and you will benefit from that exercise. But if you're not making those connections and you're just laying down for 45 seconds, you might as well just lay down. Yeah. And once again, to circle back to my fitness badass analogy, <laughs> if you can't feel a lightweight, take one of our trainers, Drew Smith. He's very, very strong. Uh, he's about 6'2", 225, all muscle, very thick. Uh, you know, I could give Drew a set of 10-pound dumbbells on lateral raises, and because he's an experienced trainer, he could feel that in his yeah. delts. And I promise you, he wouldn't have the mindset like, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Right. That doesn't – look, the weights are always going to win. Yeah. Always. Mother, gravity will take care of that, I promise you. You know, you will hit a point where you will lose. So yeah. if you can respect – the resistance that you're getting from each implement during the workout, whether it be a kettlebell, a band, whatever it is, and instead of battling it and trying to defeat it, why don't you synergistically work with it to elicit a change in the muscle group that you're targeting? And the way you do that is just think about the muscle you're using, you know? And I think it's funny, you know, if you ask people, um, you ever see like, a guy like flexes pecs and kind of bounces pecs all around. Yeah, Tyler Hammett all yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it right now. I'm twitching. <laughs> but people who don't have 
maybe the best pec development might have a little trouble with that. Yeah. Or there's certain muscle groups on me, even like my calves or, you know what? No, my hamstrings. It's hard for me to flex my yeah. hamstrings. It's my bicep. It's easy because I've right. done that a thousand, thousand times over my life, probably more. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about the effort to think about it and it takes practice. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I will say to that too, if you don't know where you're supposed to feel an exercise, ask. So, I mean, there, there might be instances and times where, you know, you're doing an exercise in the middle of a class or whatever, and you don't know, ask your trainer, where am I supposed to be feeling this? Where am I supposed to be squeezing? So if you're not feeling it someplace, instead of just, you know, going with the flow, ask your trainer or ask somebody where, where is this supposed to be targeted? Where am I supposed to feel it? And then you can make that mind muscle connection because, um, you know, you might not know where you're supposed to be feeling a row. You might not know where you're supposed to be pinching. Um, and that's the trainer's job to educate you in that area so that you can also get better. Um, so don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, and I, I think that for a lot of people out there too, the more intricate the movement, the greater the importance of the mind-muscle connection. You know, 100%. And, and let's just take a heavy squat. Everybody's probably done that at some point in time. Uh, you and I will be the first to I'm not thinking about my glutes and quads. No. I, no, that's not fair. I will squeeze my glutes at the top to protect my back and ensure glute activation, mm-hmm. but I'm not thinking about my quads while yeah. I'm doing like... Most of them I'm thinking about my yeah, core. <laughs> yeah, exactly. While I'm doing a heavier movement like yeah. that. But the, like if I'm doing a dumbbell ladder raise, I am really thinking about my yeah. delts or even a chest fly. Um, you know, there's a muscle, like, there's a training economy to all of these things. And, you know, the more economically efficient exercises like presses chin-ups you know you will get inherently the benefit of the movement with proper form because the mechanical tension the load is so great that you will take care of that whereas when the mechanical tension is less like in a lateral raise you need to elicit that adaptation in another way right yeah um Great. So moving on to number four, um, and we kind of talked about this again, and I think the nice thing about these five is that they all kind of build upon each other and and kind of work with each other. Um, And we did talk about it briefly, but starting on time. Um, So we did talk about obviously hitting the rep count and that you can start a little bit late if you're hitting within that target rep range. But I think... um, one of the things that we want to hit on with starting on time too is, and it goes into load selection as well. If you're using a load that's maybe a little bit heavy, you have a 45 second working set and it takes you 15 seconds to get your dumbbells up on your lap and then up on the floor. Or if it takes you, you know, 10 seconds or more to get the kettlebell up to your chest, then you breathe five times before you hit your first squat. You're probably not hitting a rep range, have, so that's the I've right literally, there. I've literally seen clients, and it's it's not funny, but it, it kind of is. They get to a station so late oh, yeah. that they literally do one to two reps, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Right, <laughs> that's not right, right." Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's it seems so simple, but next time you're taking a class or next time you're doing. See for yourself how often you're actually starting the station on time and try to get there and start on time and see if the intensity of your workout doesn't increase. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about all these points is I think there's a lot of overlap and a lot mm-hmm. of, it's almost like a Venn diagram. There's a lot of intersecting components to them. So we we talked before about hitting a rep count and I did allude to the fact that sometimes I might start or stop a couple seconds earlier, a couple seconds late. 
but I'm also hitting a nice quality rep count. Right. And I would say, like, with starting on time, <clears throat> we're talking about abusing that. Right. It's starting very, very late or yeah. stopping very, very early and, and doing things that way. But I think you can you can marry the two concepts yep. with the understanding that you're going to have a little buffer of both, you know? Yeah. So you're not... Once again, you're not going, quote unquote, bell to bell and getting two reps and you're not doing eight reps and right. stopping 20 seconds early because you got your eight reps. You're coming close. Right, right. I think at the end of the day, it's all coming down to like maximizing quality of movement, right? Like in everything you do, just trying to maximize that quality. Um, it's unbelievable. I was doing diagonal mountain climbers last week and you were uh, training one of our other trainers. But as you tend to do <laughs> when you train other trainers, before I knew it, you were standing over me training me. Ooh, me. And <laughs> you were making me. I was going like kind of spazzing out and I wasn't touching my knee to my elbow on, on the mountain climber and you made me ever so slightly touch it and I wanted to puke. Oh, like, yeah. that was It was just such a difference and it was literally well, such a minor change which ties in beautifully to our last point which is the game of inches. Yeah. This is probably my favorite thing that we're going to talk about today. For anybody that's taken my class, you know why this is my favorite um, because I think this is the game changer. I think this is what is going to take anything you do to the next level, just like you talked about, Matt, with the mountain climber. You take something so simple that, or something that could be so mindless, a mountain climber. Whatever the working set is, you're just trying to survive for that time. But if you can focus on the game of inches, that little detail that's going to take something from survivable to really challenging, and that's, it might just be driving your pelvis towards the floor, getting your head out in front of your hands, making a physical connection of your knee to your elbow when you're doing that diagonal mountain climber. Um, making that small effort makes such a difference. Yeah, and I think we've been centering a lot of this discussion about for to our clients, obviously, and mm-hmm. to other proponents of metabolic training, which is, for those of you out there listening, we appreciate it a lot. That's great. But I think there may be some trainers out there listening to us who perhaps aren't as involved in metabolic training yeah. or are curious as to what we do and how we do it. And, you know, you can start applying this concept with all of your clients, irregardless of if it's a metabolic workout or not. Yeah. You know, as, as a trainer, to me, what I've witnessed over the years, that is what separates the best trainers from the eh, okay trainers. Yeah. The best trainers will see, you know, the little, most minute inch details and they will extract that from each individual client and take the time and the care to do it in a way that's highly personalized and highly effective for that person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, understanding where an exercise is supposed to be felt, how it's supposed to be done and demanding that each time is where that all comes down to. You know what I mean? Like if I'm doing um, uh, like a band pull apart for like for my chest or my um, rear delts and back, for instance, um, for that one, you know, if you're going from a higher movement and then dropping down, you're relieving the tension in your back. So you want to keep that chest stable, squeeze and retract the shoulder blades, and that's going to make all the difference. So the difference of, of that inch from your arms going up to down as compared to just back is huge, you know what I mean? And targeting the musculature that you want to target. Yeah, and I think that, so people don't get confused, you know, there are times when using a modified range of motion or slowing down your tempo, there are times when that can be appropriate, but that's only appropriate if that's the best you can do in that moment. 
if you are capable of more with range of motion, with body mechanics, with positioning your your body in a certain way to make the exercise harder, but if you're capable of it, and I always I use a pretty you know dark example always, but if someone was holding a nine millimeter to your dog and you had <laughs> to do terrible. it, well, we've got a lot of dog lovers I out know. there. See, you would do it though, Lindsay. I would do anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you could do it, and that's yeah. that's. I maybe I'm weird, but I think about <laughs> I think about weird shit like that when I work out just to try and motivate <laughs> me. But yeah, yeah. As a funny aside, that could I, be a whole different episode. Yeah, what I, do you I, think about? While I you was work just out? about to say I could I could as a funny aside we could have a whole other conversation about that. But I was holding a giant poster of Drew's dog today up in the air while he was doing the goblet squats in the middle of class. Yeah, he had a and he had a he good had a great day, workout. Not, he had so a great it workout. But yeah, you know, circling back to the game of inches. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It makes all the difference. I think of all the points we have here, this one is probably the most important to me because if you can understand this concept and you can really challenge yourself, it shows a mastery of the concept that more is not better. Right. Better is better. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about I guess the advanced movements of things, but I also think the game of inches is someplace where you kind of have to check your ego a little bit maybe at the door or you know not think about it so much as you know what what can I do or what am I not doing but what can I do to make something challenging and for instance today we had a unilateral bear hold position so you had um, awful it was terrible (laughs) Um, but you're basically in a bear crawl position your right hand would be elevated your left foot would be elevated and you're balancing on your left or your right foot and your uh, left hand Um, very advanced movement really putting a lot of um, emphasis on the quad there Um, a lot of core stability work. Um, There was a lot of people that were doing that movement with one hand and one foot up in the air, but the game of inches was nowhere to be found. Their butts were way up in the air. Their knee were a mile away from the floor. They were falling all over the place. You're going to get more. If you're focusing on the game of inches, get two hands stable on the floor, get your knee close to the floor with like a nice 90 degree angle and get the other foot off. You're going to get so much more and it's going to be more challenging. You're going to get more benefit out of it by regressing the movement but focusing on the inches than you would if you're just trying to hit the big skill yeah simply stated get your intensity from the form first and then the resistance as opposed to just go into the resistance or go into the most advanced progression and you know for a lot of people it's just it's not always appropriate and i think you know sometimes like you're gonna have movements out there that you are excellent at and i promise you even the most genetically gifted of all of us will have things that we struggle with and you just have to understand that those are different for all of us so you can't compare yourself to anybody else you have to know yourself know what you're capable of and as long as you're trying as hard as you can and you're aware of that and if there is a regression that you should be doing I would say that that is going to make your metabolic training session A, more difficult, Mm -hmm. but B, much more effective. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. This kind of reminds me of um, when I was kind of going off on a side note here, but when I was competitive cheerleading and I wanted to get better in my sports, um, I went to uh, this gymnastics coach, Jeff Perkis. He was awesome. Um, And I went to him and I told him, I think I've briefly touched on this story, that I wanted a running back handspring full and a standing tuck. And he was like, okay, well, first we need to learn a back handspring. And I was like, no, I have that. And he was like, well, let me see it. And I did it. And he goes, no, you don't have that. Because my form was so god-awful that there's no way I could have progressed that skill so he started me all the way back at like a basic handstand and I was like Jeff I've been doing this for 
20, you know, 18, 20 years, whatever, however old I was. And he was like, no, you haven't because you haven't been doing it right. So he made me go back to the beginning, learn all of those beginning skills. And then lo and behold, by the end of the summer, I was able to progress it. But if he didn't bring me back to the beginning to learn those skills the right way, I would have never been able to progress to a better point. And that's every skill in life, right? Like you've got to lay the foundation of the house first before you can do anything else. So if you're laying a weak foundation, nothing else is going to be built on it. Yeah. There's a couple of things this year in 2019. I wanted to focus on at metabolic, particularly in my own training. And one of them was working on my mobility, which Mm. I haven't started yet, but I'm going to, I swear. <laughs> I'll admit it. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm probably the worst stretcher ever. User side note. A year yeah. from today, we're going to revisit this and ask Matt if he's been more mobile. This is my BS resolution. But anyways, <laughs> the other one too is just to make, make people, when I overhear clients talk about the workout, what kettlebell did you use? That's great. And like, I understand that's always yeah. going to be part of it, but sometimes it's just, it's a little bit aggravating to me because I hear people talk about what kettlebell they used, but there's no mention of how they did it or, right. or if they did it right, right or if they got a certain amount of reps with it, which totally, totally dictates uh, you know, the results you're going to get and the effectiveness of that exercise. So yeah. one of my big goals, and I think the most the best thing about this episode of the podcast is I think a lot of people really might not may have heard all of these things we're talking about, but they haven't really pieced them together in a way that makes sense, in a way that they can start applying immediately. But, you know, for example, I'm 5'8", 170 pounds. If I grab the same kettlebell as Drew and then afterwards say... I used the same kettlebell that Drew Smith did. You know, it's it's like, yeah, you know, I had it in my <laughs> hands and so did he. But he was doing something for the appropriate number of reps and I was right. just trying to survive through that. So, right. you know, and again, we don't want to give the mixed message that weight doesn't matter because it definitely does. That was our first point that we made. Right. But, you know, but there's a context. Yeah. It's got to it's got to matter within that appropriate context. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, wrapping it up, it's just um, I think that if we can just take all of these five tips and apply them to your training philosophy, I really think that it can make a huge difference just in how people are feeling about the workouts, not attaching their self-worth or your ego to the amount of weight you are using, but instead becoming a master at those movements and feeling great about the fact that you are training, using your body, you know, hitting your rep counts, making my muscle connections. And I also feel like, I mean, you might agree or disagree, but the more you apply these five things, I know for me personally, I feel it so much more. Like I, I am sore the next day. I am, I'm, I can physically feel a difference than when you're just surviving a workout you know yeah and again i'm not i'm not saying this to i agree with you and i'm not saying this to be mean at all i'm saying this to be helpful but there have been clients at the gym in the past who i've seen really transform their bodies and really change their bodies and these people you know what they tend to have pretty strict form on things they they work hard but they don't let their ego dictate everything and you and i have both seen people come in the gym who are only concerned only concerned with being the strongest person in there the heaviest weight being lifted and you know they don't even always look like they work out much. Right, so right. I mean I think I think just stepping foot into a gym 
is a great first step, but it's never enough. It's never yeah. enough. It's it's what are you doing when you're there that matters most. Right. And learning to love the art of working out. Right. I think that's something that you and I both share. We love movement and we love training. So it doesn't matter if I'm what weight I'm using or what, you know, I, what matters is that I'm doing my best and I feel really good about it. And I, and I love the art of working out. So if you can fall in love with the process and fall in love with the movement, um, and fall in love with these five strategies, um, then, uh, you know, I just think, uh, it makes for a much better workout experience. 100%. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Metabolic Experience Podcast. I think if you guys haven't done so already, it makes a huge difference for us. And you know, I'll be honest, if you don't think it's a five-star show, give us four stars. Go ahead. But we want you to go ahead. and We want to hear it. We want to hear it. And we want to hear you guys rate us, give us feedback, talk about things that you would like to hear. Um, a lot of times we tend to focus on, you know, weight related issues or body image issues, because that's something that is an easy topic for Lindsay and I to talk about. But if there's other things out there that you would like to hear about, please let me know. I would love, I would love to discuss that with you guys further and, and help you in any way that we can. And we don't even always have to talk about things that go on in the gym. You know, if there's life issues or mm-hmm. other types of things, you know, that we can help any anybody out there deal with on a regular basis, that would be great to hear about. I know for me, I have my own ideas, but this is for you guys. So we want to provide you with the best show possible. So thank you once again for tuning in. We will talk to you very soon. Before, we will let Lindsay redo her Super Bowl picks. We'll talk before <laughs> the Super Bowl, most likely. And we'll, uh, we'll get those in. Have a great day, guys. Take care.